welcome everyone. We've been given another day, another opportunity uh, to be together. So with uh, the gratitude for this day and for our ability to connect across distances and times, let's uh, sit in our stillness and uprightness as a celebration in some ways, certainly a, a way of honoring um, what we've been given and what we uh, offer back in return. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. Excuse me, I realize as chanting uh, just now how much I um, miss a particular thing I haven't really thought about as much is out of the silence, <clears throat> pardon me, of our sitting and the, in the old days, <laughs> it seemed like at Apamata when the room was full of people, as soon as we began the chant, uh, it's like a hymn or um, a chorus. So many people were suddenly the voices fill the room. And right now, um, I just hear my own voice and you hear mine and your own, hopefully, and maybe a friend who's with you. Um, so I kind of miss that, that fullness of the voices. <clears throat> Uh, in our time today, as an invitation to your uh, questions and the ways that we walk together toward your practice edges and explore them, I wanted to reflect on this past um, week and the entrustment ceremony and the retreat that we just completed, uh, sponsored by the Open Door Zen community in Madison but which included all the Apamata Sanghas in various places, which ended in a beautiful ceremony of entrustment for two new uh, lay teachers, Suzanne Kilkas in Madison and Josh Gifford in, in Lancaster in the north of England. And uh, because it's still with me, I think for many of you, it's probably still with some of you. There, are, uh, I'm sure there are quite a number of you who are with us right now who were part of the retreat, but many of you were not. And it's worth uh, just touching on, I think, a bit uh, and what these kind of steps mean in a community um, because it, but it's something quite universal, not just particular to this retreat or this ceremony or these two uh, teachers. There was a question that echoed through the entire um, retreat which was what, what is entrustment? What does that mean and what is entrusted? And if you were to receive this entrustment, whatever that is, what, what do you do with it? These are questions that were asked in many ways over and over. And many of you understand, of course, in the life of community, uh, life of Sangha, that ceremony has a, a good bit of power. Ceremonies are some of the things that knit together um, community, even if there are ceremonies like this one, 
which contains elements which are um, very old and language that might be unfamiliar. Uh, but even so, there's a way in which it calls something forward and also touches something deep to walk through it together, knowing that this kind of ceremony has been done for hundreds of years, even thousands of years, and each step along the way to carry forward the Buddhist teachings and to carry forward the energy of each um, stepping stone along the lineage path of transmission. And you heard, if you, if you listen to any of the, the talks or comments by Suzanne or Josh, I can tell you, even if you didn't, what we heard were that these formal steps, which of course began a long time ago, in more informally, but as the formal steps approached, the ceremony begins many months, even years before the bell is rung and the procession is completed and incense is offered to start the ceremony before the invocation. Something begins to move in the person and around the person in response to the person who's enacting the entrustment for everyone else, who's the stand-in, but also is taking a particular set of vows uh, in response to a kind of an aspiration to support others. And I can tell you from my own experience, and I heard it in these two, one of the things that it brings up is immense gratitude, but probably even more than that is considerable doubt. And not doubt is some uh, frightening, um, shocking thing that's, 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 a, that's a challenge. It's realizing the magnitude of what one is stepping into. And it's hard to remember that nothing is being given. And doubt is, I think, in some ways, one of the most essential Dharma gates that we step through. There, there's that question, will you step through this Dharma gate? even if you have doubts. Dropping away all the ideas that there's any sort of elevation or special recognition being given in some ways. There is a recognition, but the recognition is something that's already happened. And that's uh, quite of a, a beautiful thing. So I want to read just for a second, or just remind you of a very old story. This is one of the collections of our ancestor stories, uh, we sometimes call koans. And this is a very short one, um, and an old one. One of our Chinese ancestors, Zha Zhou, who was a very uh, prominent teacher in the Golden Age of Zen, uh, between the sixth and ninth centuries or so, one of the students asked him a kind of a classic question. It, in some ways, wasn't that personal. It's a classic kind of question. And the question was, why did Bodhidharma come from the West? And that question, um, uh, Bodhidharma is the, the mythical or maybe real figure of um, the person who apparently carried Buddhism from Northern India into China, uh, to Shaolin Temple and then on. So he's the um, archetype of the movement of the Dharma from Northern India into China, where it met Taoism and Confucianism and uh, Chan evolved. Uh, coming from the West means from the, the other country. And so it's a question about how did the Dharma get here? How was it transmitted? And why did, why did it get entrusted in this way? Why did Bodhidharma come from the West? And Zhaozhou replied to the questioner, maybe I'm, I'm imagining with a nod through the window, uh, the oak tree in the garden. That was his response. One of those responses that seems 
surprising. How, how is that a response to that question? I'll, I'll get back to that. You know, if you're not too daunted or frightened or think you have to understand these things, sometimes it's nice to step outside the stream of ordinary time into these old stories, maybe through ceremony, and meet the minds and hearts of these old ones who came before us, who died a long time ago. And in doing so, as we reach across time, and when we enact these ancient rituals, you're shown a light that you've been searching for and realize it's your own light. The student is saying, why did Bodhidharma bring Buddhism here? Why did he come from the West? What why did this transmission happen? What's, what's this all about? And Jiaozhou pointed to something close at hand and ordinary and natural, as if he's saying, you don't have to reach so far. What you're looking for is right here in your own garden. Right here. And our practice helps us realize this. One of the stories that I told in the retreat is Dongshan leaving his teacher Yunyan. And in his leaving, Dongshan was asking, when I when I'm gone and after you've gone from this life, Master, what should I tell people your teachings were? And Yunyan paused for a moment and said, just this is it. Just this is it. Just the oak tree in the garden, just your own sandals and backpack as you get ready to leave. You know, these old stories are what I've heard John Tarrant call anti-stories because they defeat the stories and responses you expect. And in doing so, there's, it opens up a new possibility, a new possibility for your own life and, and actually to unexpected sources of joy, not happiness, but joy of what it's like to live this life. So Zhaozhou is saying, what you search for and your attempt to understand what this whole thing is about that we're doing here is as natural and as alive, as deeply rooted and as vibrant as the oak tree in the garden, right here. When Dongshan asked Yunyan to give him something he could take forward and, and tell people, he said, you know, just, just this, just this is it. Another story which I told in the retreat is the interaction of Liangshan and Tun'an, the teacher, Liangshan, the student. And Liangshan was the attendant serving his teacher for a long time. And once they went into the Buddha hall and Liangshan could see that his teacher had forgotten his robe it's okay, so to put on for the ceremony. So he went and got it. And as uh, Tungan was putting it on, he asked Liangshan, what is it that's beneath this patched robe? And the student was kind of surprised, wasn't exactly sure how to answer. And so Tungan said, it's, it's sad if you've practiced and you don't understand this. You ask me. And so they switched roles uh, while Tungan was adjusting his robes and getting everything finished up. And he asked, and Leongshan asked him, what is beneath this patched work robe? And Tungan said, intimacy. Intimacy is what's beneath this robe. It's so close. And so for all of us, what is it that is so close that we miss it? What is it that we're up to? Why, why did these teachings come to us? Why did we meet them? How do we understand it as 
this? How do we maintain intimacy with what is challenging? Because as uh, both of our teachers uh, suggested to us, and Suzanne gave us a practice, to help us remember that we're all entrusted with our life. This is the big, ongoing, relentless entrustment we're being offered our life. We were given our life, we were born, which is an unbelievable gift. So what is it that this entrustment looks like in our, our practice? Why, why is it important? In the ceremony, there are some steps, which some of you saw, and if you didn't, simply, um, they're entrusted with the three treasures, Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha, and the life of the Sangha. This is what the teachers are entrusted with, the treasures and the life of the Sangha. In the ceremony itself, there's a step of taking refuge, Buddha, Dharma, Sangha, renunciation and confession, realizing who you are, and then precepts, a direction to follow, a wholesome map for life. So we remember where to place our faith through the refuges, let go of self-centered ways and confession and repentance, and then follow the wholesome path of the Buddha with the precepts. This is the vow, this is the aspiration of these students who are not made into something new. And this is a real key to understanding this question about entrustment. They don't become a thing. You don't become a teacher. Teacher is a function. They're a function. They're a, a verb, not a noun. They don't become a thing. They take a vow and an aspiration to function in a certain way. And as so, they're entrusted with the three treasures. Here's your gifts, the Dharma, expressed by the Buddha enacted in the Sangha. We, we realize they're, they're, they're all mixed together, woven together. And then students are entrusted with their own lives and the life of the Sangha. So in some ways, they learn this function in their interaction with a teacher or a mentor. And these are just roles, but it's all just the functioning of the Dharma, the enactment of Buddha, the life of Sangha. Students and teachers create each other and sustain each other and help wake each other. And once again, they're simply roles. So many of the old teachers said, if you have something to teach and someone asks you to teach, please do. If there's someone you can learn from, learn. Don't get stuck on a role of I am a teacher, I am a student. Then you've made a self and you've made a boundary which is antithetical to the entire freely wakeful function of the Buddha Dharma so that you can hold the question, how should we live? And when we practice together like this, we have a map and we have companions. You know, our lives keep entrusting us with moment after moment, experience after experience, relationship after relationship, from birth to death. It's a steadily generous outpouring. Despite your ideas about it. Your life is being offered to you and it doesn't stop until it does. Even death is part of that life. And so it's best met. Such an outpouring such a steadily generous offering with gratitude. It's endlessly humbling 
as we let go over and over, as we receive things and lose them, as things are born and die, as we learn things and forget them, as we make mistakes and repair, just normal life. It's endlessly humbling if we can take ourselves out of the center and offer ourselves back to this generous outpouring, which is the function of entrustment. And not only is it generous, to which we respond with gratitude and humbling, which we respond with letting go, but it's full of awe, full of mystery. And in the full sense of that word awe, it's both frightening and breathtakingly beautiful. This which we've been entrusted. In one of the stories that Josh told in his Dharma talk about a young man who was toward the end of his life, he was only 31 years old. He said the, the primary thing, and he, he gave five different aspects of it, which I won't go into, but he said primarily, enjoy your life. <laughs> You've been given this amazing gift. Enjoy your life. I would say certainly appreciate your life. Appreciate that you have this amazing life. And we're given things, as Suzanne said in her Dharma talk, that we don't want. We're entrusted with many things that we prefer not to be entrusted with. And yet our responsibility is how to meet them, how to work with them, how to accept it, how to choose our life over and over and over and continue to choose our life. That doesn't mean passively just accept everything. It means, oh, this is what I've been given and actively respond. We have the precepts as guides. We have the Sangha as companions. We have teachers and students and mentors. and We have plenty of help if we will accept it. But that means we have to choose our life. And right now, here, reading just this meeting online is it. What do we find? Intimacy only intimacy when we let go of all of our fears and expectations the, uh, except the sort of anti-stories, the responses that you didn't expect and it's right here in our own garden as we open up the function of a Buddha full of bodhicitta wishing for the awakefulness of everyone else, functioning to stay awake. The function of a Buddha, the function of the Dharma, which is the function, everything. Understanding the lawful nature of the universe and the way things work instead of my own self-centered idea about how it should work. And we understand the function of communities and for animals and require each other in community and how to help each other, how to be kind to each other. This is the functioning that we're entrusted with. This is the function of a teacher. And this is the functioning that a student receives through that entrustment from a teacher. So why did Bodhidharma come from the West? The oak tree in the garden. Why did Bodhidharma come online? <laughs> you know, the cup of coffee next to your laptop. It's as simple and as close as that, and yet we look for it a long way away. What is entrusted? What are we to do with it? How are you meeting this question? What's, what sense does it make in you? And if we meet now, like all of these students and teachers met in these old stories, how do we carry each other forward and increase the vitality of this functioning of wakefulness? So raise your hand and we'll meet in that same way that all these students and teachers met in the past. To 
find that light that you think might be somewhere else and is actually in you. Hello, Eileen. Hi, Flint. This was kind of unplanned, so I don't have a microphone on. Can you guys hear me okay? I hear you just fine. Unplanned, I, good. Yeah. I did it so quickly, I didn't know I did it. Um, what I have learned, I, I, I thought that the light was mine. <laughs> I thought I had the light. And it was a very, very lonely, very long, I had the light, but it was a very lonely place And what I had, even though it doesn't seem like it, right? But what I have learned through this intensive, this, this thing of, of reaching out a small hand, either to receive another hand or to ask for another hand mm -hmm. in very, very small ways in each moment, uh, and that that is how things that seem very large and uh, fearful and intimidating, I found out that they can be approached that way. Yeah, warm hand to warm hand. Yeah, it'd be very small. Very and it's fine because the moment is very small. I mean, it's very large, mm -hmm. but it's very small. So um, I just wanted to share that that's been, I mean, this, this intensive has been overwhelming in a very, very positive way for me. And I'm very, very grateful. And I just wanted to share that here today. Yeah, you're, you're also pointing to another essential teaching, which is if you want to enter um, the absolute or that larger space of freedom and, and awakening, the only entryway, the only Dharma gate is through the particular. Otherwise, it's kind of like big, ideas, uh, which isn't grounded. It's like in the Vimalakirti Sutra where he says, don't go planting seeds in the sky. They can't sprout. It's got to be those small everyday things, but that's the entryway to, to everything. Yes. And you're expressing that really nicely. Thank you, yes. Uh, the particular of the, of the one small hand. Mm -hmm. Yes, thank you. Even though I know it's maybe marked with controversy and so many other meanings. It, it is what I finally, for me, began to understand in Michelangelo's painting of Adam and, and the God, you know, it's that little, just that little hand, it's all this grand stuff, but actually it's that little touch, that little reaching out, which, uh, which I, I chose to take from that, despite whatever other meanings there might be. Yeah. Thank well, you. You're welcome. And also, I just wanted to say how grateful I am, we are, for our new and trusted Josh and Suzanne. Mm -hmm. Thank you, thank you very they were much. They so marvelous in their expressions, weren't they? So beautiful, beautiful uh, gifts, jewels, fruit, very happy. And thank you for supporting the, the whole functioning of the, the retreat in the ways that you did. Thank you all. Hi, Clint. Hi, Bridget. I did not participate in the retreat, but I did um, attend the entrustment ceremony and was oh, very yeah. touched by it. Mm -hmm. And today I'm so busy preparing for my son's wedding this weekend. I actually had thought about not coming today to inquiry, but then I thought, no, this is just what I need. And it's so remarkable that you talked about vows because mm -hmm. I still need to prepare a toast to my son. My former husband and his wife and I are hosting a brunch the day after the wedding. The wedding was postponed from April till it'll be on Friday. So we're doing this on Saturday. And I'm, everything you've said makes me realize that so much of what I've learned about life and living, I've learned from my sons. Mm -hmm. And it's with deep gratitude that I'm, that James is marrying this Friday. And, mm -hmm. um, he was engaged four years ago and that relationship ended and I was very concerned about his mental health. I thought he might, we might lose him because he was so devastated by the end of that relationship. Mm. And so the fact that he's going to be making these vows, I can see now that 
all of this is just a continuation of, of life. And I'm very, very joyful for this opportunity to be both the teacher and the student and how you've woven this together. So I mostly wanted to express gratitude. Yeah. And well, it's the ongoing entrustment of, um, you were entrusted with him. Yes. As a mother. And then he's interested with um, a mother. Mm -hmm. And you've had this relationship, however you've had, and now he's making vows through a ceremony like we did mm -hmm. this past weekend, uh, in which these two will entrust each other. Mm -hmm. I, I like in the oldest forms of the marriage ceremony that we understand in the West, there's an ancient phrase, which you might be familiar with. I plight thee my troth. Mm -hmm. Okay. which basically says, I pledge my truth. Oh, okay. I pledge to be, and it's in some ways a beautiful expression of what our vows are about. Mm -hmm. I'm going to offer myself completely to the truth of the matter, which is the Dharma. Mm -hmm. I'm certainly going to tell the truth, which is part of the precepts. Mm -hmm. I'm going to receive the truth, which is the big Dharma gate of life turning toward life as it is. Mm -hmm. And so to understand uh, marriage, which every moment, in some ways it was like a marriage. Um, I'll, be in I'll be in full loving relationship with this. <laughs> but yeah. I, I'll, uh, I'll bring you my truth. I'll show you who I am. I'll be myself with you. Mm -hmm. Which is, I think, altogether kind of a lovely way to think about the vows. Mm -hmm. In the Buddhist tradition, in our, the marriage ceremony, we actually offer the precepts and say, here's a way to live your life together. Mm -hmm. Tell the truth. Don't harm each other. Mm -hmm. you know, don't take things that aren't yours. Don't misuse sexuality. Don't intoxicate yourself. It's like, oh, it's a pretty good map. You know? yeah. Yeah. It Enjoy it. Enjoy every minute. I intend to. And congratulations. And I know that I will be able to be more present to all of it because of what I've learned mm -hmm. in the presence of you in our community. Mm -hmm. And um, so my gratitude is not just to you, but to all of you who are supporting me right. in this endeavor. Yeah, yeah. That, that function of a life of the community is what we're entrusted with. And you see it uh, in, at Apamata, in the larger uh, Apamata. I've, I see it function so beautifully all the time. Mm -hmm. That's true. Yeah. Well, enjoy yourself. Um, Rosas and That's a great back. time. <laughs> okay, thanks. Mm -hmm. Hi, Kim. Hi, Flint. <laughs> um, thank you. Just can't get enough, you know. I <laughs> mean, I can't get enough of you. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no, I was saying. <laughs> but it's such a treat to have these Tuesdays right after the, the yeah. retreat. Mm -hmm. Lovely and important. Um, so something is sinking in for me a little bit in the t a little bit more. Like I can feel it in my body in the talk that you just gave with the koan that you offered mm -hmm. of the oak tree in the garden, the cup of coffee next to the laptop. I don't have a cup of coffee, but I have a bowl of soup. Yeah. And, <laughs> and um, I just was thinking about the warmth on my hands and and just the intimacy of this moment. And yeah, it just, um, it sunk in. And I guess the, I had a question prior to that and I think it's related in a certain way. I'll try to relate it, which is about meaning making. Mm -hmm. And because what I tend to do with retreats or when I study the Dharma or, you know, I, I go back to these moments and I tell these stories and much like, you know, we tell these old koans, right? Um, and I try to relate it to my life and I can, 
I can weave some pretty beautiful, intricate thing. <laughs> um, but it's not, it's not just this is it. Mm -hmm. It's me doing my mental concoction to try to bring meaning and words and, mm -hmm. and potentially useful, like to offer it in some way, but a lot of it's... Yeah, believe me. <laughs> yeah, that's what, I ha that's what I have to do off over and over. Right. So it feels like a little bit of a, like an edge, you know, like, um, because I crave it. And actually in this time in my life, I just honestly haven't had a lot of energy or um, time, literal time um, to journal or write or, or kind of create that. And I just keep saying to myself, it's okay, Kim, that time will come where you'll integrate and make meaning of everything that's been happening to you and everything that's unfolding. Mm -hmm. But I just wonder, is that a wholesome, is that a, is that, is that wholesome? The um, uh, hope that the integration will happen over time once you have a chance to step back and rest, is that what you're saying? Well, the desire to make meaning of it Oh, I don't think there's a problem with desire to make meaning of it as long as you're not attached to it happening in a certain way or at a certain time. Mm -hmm. we, we're meaning-making animals, so we're curious mm -hmm. uh, about these things. You also know that the more important thing is how you actually live. Meaning is like uh, the cherry on top. It's like, that's interesting. That's amazing. That's it's something satisfying about it for us. Right. But, it, but the meaning... You know, when we were reading, the meaning is not in the words, yet it responds to the inquiring impulse. Uh, the meaning, once you have the meaning and write it down, then you don't have it. it. If you can write it down and understand it, it's already functioning. It's the function that's important. That's so it's I, like... Say it again? It's like Trudy's poems, where she said, she hears you read them, and it's like, wow, yeah. I wrote, you know, like, because she... It comes through her and then it's, it's out there. Yeah. I, I can tell you how that was functioning in me right when you came online, if you're interested. Please. During the, the, the pause, which I love the pauses because it's a little Zazen period, you know. I had a voice. Like often, I mean, I think many people have these voices that's somewhat critical or judgmental or questioning. And that voice was saying you know, you're not really teaching heavy-duty dharma. If somebody listens to this, they're going to think, this is like Buddhism light. He's not really doing anything. So I could hear that in the background. Um, and then the other part of me, um, from which these teachings were actually coming, was saying, that's not what's challenging. What's challenging is to make it simple and elegant enough so that it makes a big difference without it being too daunting. If these are fierce and penetrating teachings, I'm just not fierce and penetrating in its expression. I want to be kind. I want it to make a difference. Um, so I was trying to balance you know, this is my way. And I'm not teaching esoteric dharma and I'm not giving all these, you know, fancy teachings that people come and listen to and I don't know if they understand them or not, but somehow they're wowed by them. It's like, well, apparently I'm not going to do that in this life. I had to keep it simple and human, not just to be consoling and patting people on the back. Um, I think it's, I think it's challenging in ways, but maybe a little, a little sneaky. Yeah, That's don't say penetrating. And, <laughs> and it sure feels challenging sometimes, Flint. <laughs> so I was just telling you how that stuff goes on in me. Yeah. And if I let all of that go, the, the conversation back and forth, uh, then I can meet you. Yeah. And the function of meeting uh, with some freedom and some clarity uh, is 
the function of all of that anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think what I mostly want to say is your Dharma talk offered uh, a little further glimpse of intimacy for me. And that felt incredibly penetrating and in incredibly dear to me. So. Thank you. Thank you. Then, then it's functioning. It's functioning. Yeah. Good. And I'm grateful. And I'll echo Eileen and say, um, to have this wedding of our um, <laughs> sanghas through this, through the entrustment ceremony, you know, I wrote Josh and Suzanne in a thank you email together. I said, because in some ways to me, you guys are this Dharma brother and sister now, you know, the two of you won't be, won't ever be separate in my mind as, as my teachers. And I'm just very, very thankful. So. Thank you. Hello, Catherine. You need to unmute yourself there. There you go. I just wanted to respond to what you just said about your self-doubt, which I find, I find it really helpful to know that you have self-doubt. And um, when I wrote to you about starting to read poems and reading about teachers who walloped people over the head, almost literally, it was that kind of voice that felt that wanted to say, Maybe this isn't hard enough. May I, maybe I'm not being hard enough, or maybe I'm not being committed. It's such a, a familiar route to me, and I and I I can see now just how how abusive it is yeah. for myself. And you you spoke in a letter to me about um, well the way I interpreted it was that. The way we are approaching Zen, it's like the going through the rain and getting wet. It's yeah. something gentle. And I know that had you been the sort of teacher who walloped people on the head or who humiliated them to see how they were getting along with their ego, um, <laughs> I wouldn't be here. That's right. And yeah. I appreciate how you teach very, very much. But the reason I wanted to speak with you is that I wanted you. Um, and I felt it particularly um, in respect of, of Josh and seeing Josh come forward into the teaching role. And just had an overwhelm because I've walked that path with Josh for a very long time. Mm -hmm. Just this overwhelming sense of everything that went into that moment when he stepped into the role. Yeah. Hakomi, Jimmy, the community, you know, it just felt overwhelming. The, yeah. the, Cooking, endless meals. Yeah. Yeah. But it was like this huge, massive, dynamic thing that kind of spearheaded, spearheaded into Josh in the ceremony. Yes. Being entered. Yep. It's sort of, and it is overwhelming. It's, it is overwhelming. And it's the same thing that brought you to this moment. Yeah. Every single thing that's gone before. Yeah. And all of us. But when you have a ceremony, you really feel it. Yeah. And you can appreciate it. And then you realize, oh, that's, that's the case all the time. But the ceremony can help us see it. And then mm -hmm. someone you appreciate and revere and also have just an ordinary friendship with, like Josh, you can feel it as well. Yeah. And I was thinking how, and not all of that, not all of that that's gone into the making of 
the ceremony and Josh steps coming forward. Not all of it would be normally classed as good things. Right. Like Jimmy dying and yes. suffering in the suffering things that have happened in the Sangha and Right. It's all, it felt like, but it's all in there. Yeah, it's, it's all required, actually. It's what was entrusted. And the ceremonies is the way of saying, yes. Yeah. I'll entrust everything to you. Will you accept it? And the ceremony is, yes. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And I'll say one last thing about, you know, I, I don't think I should be harsh because I don't think it's my way. So I don't push myself that direction. Um, I think I should sound more like a Buddhist teacher and give you, you know, that voice says that. Um, but my, that, that's really the, the doubt thing. Am I, okay. it's, am I, but when I see you're called forward, like what you're doing right now, then I don't worry. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank it's, you, Catherine. It's challenging <laughs> in, in and of itself. Yeah. And that's the way it will go continuously. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, Rosemary. So I'm in this unusual little environment here. I have a picture of Paris, Paris behind me. But um, I wanted to say about the um, retreat mm -hmm. that um, I was honored, blown away by the two teachings of the two entrustees. Mm -hmm. um, I learned, I'm going to get careful, I learned so much. And um, it was so lovely how different they were. Yeah, isn't that great? They, they complemented each other so beautifully mm -hmm. in their approach, in their lives, in their, the way that they um, express themselves. And mm -hmm. um, I just, it, it was so lovely. And um, yeah, I, and, and also to, um, I felt part of the, um, I guess, embodiment of what they were being entrusted with. I was being yeah. their student for that little time. That's right. So, That's right. yeah, thank you for, for that being the, the focus of the retreat. Yeah, it looks like it's still moving in you. Oh, yes. <laughs> it will be for quite a while. I have a lot more that I feel, but that was one that I wanted to share yeah, about those you. particular people. Very special. Yeah. I thought it was really, um, it was touching, for, for, it was satisfying and touching for me to be with Peg because we have had such a partnership for so long. And then to invite these two who haven't been in partnership really in some ways, but in some ways have, uh, even at a distance, and then could share the ceremony together. And it's this, this reflection in the mirror you know, this practice as we teach is so relational. I think it's altogether appropriate that it uh, be um, expressed in ceremony in that way too. And you can really feel it, see it. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. It, was, it was wonderful. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Good to see that Parisian roof there. Just a couple of more minutes. If there's maybe someone else, if not, that's okay. And maybe that's everyone who's raised their hand for the day. Thank you for entrusting all of us with your presence you're arriving to ask questions or express your, your gratitude. Tell us about your lives. This is the entrustment and we receive it and offer our lives in return. And that ability to receive 
and that capacity to offer back is opened by the practice that we engage in. And no matter how much you know about Buddhism or understand about the history of Zen or how many koans you have passed or uh, things that you've memorized, if you don't have that capacity to receive the life that's entrusted to you and offer yourself back to it uh, with some clarity, then it really is for naught in a way, because this is the function of our practice, this is the function of a, a Buddha. This is the, the function of the Dharma flowing. This is the function of community that we care for. And that's what we've been entrusted with each other and our community, the teachings and the way they function together. And the chant that we do here at the end is a way to express our aspiration that that way continue to open and that we not get caught. So let's, let's offer that chant to end. Together, caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering, holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way. Caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering, holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way. Caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering, holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way. Thank you very much. Appreciate your life. I appreciate Jessica coming and helping us now. <laughs> Thank you so much, Flint. Thank you so much, everybody, for joining today and for everything that you've shared. Appamata's programs and facilities are supported by your generous acts of contribution. And you can make a contribution by going to the website at appamata.org. Your generosity makes all the difference. Also, if you'd like to join for the after inquiry meeting, you can find the link. It starts right now and you can find the link on the calendar. Thank you. <laughs>